Hi everybody, welcome to episode 126 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Alberton, and would you guys kindly introduce yourselves? More fun than the night with Sandra Cohen, Michael K. Hughes. <laughs> and I'm Bill Tucker with a friendly message. Friends do not let friends become objectivists. Alright, that's it. Just just be careful about that. No, don't oh, do it. It's an evening with Sandra Cohen. I blew it. Oh <laughs> no, yeah, an evening with Sandra Cohen. <laughs> that's pretty good. That guy was a nut. He awesome is. nut. Well, everyone's a nut in this, but... And this is also the first episode of season seven. Seven. Season <laughs> seven. Look. Good God. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, seasons guys. only started meaning something since Mike joined. So in a tangible yeah. effort that wasn't inside baseball. <laughs> so, and one thing I want to add in here before we go too far into this episode, we are doing we are doing our first poll on Patreon for our first pilot test episode. A pilot test where we're going to look at a, at a pilot of a show and talk about it. We're going to let you choose what we first have to suffer through. So these are all four good choices. So I will suffer <laughs> the right word. Say suffer's not the right word. <laughs> you will see a link in the in the in the show notes to the Patreon. So definitely go there just for as little as a dollar. We're going to have the whole poll open all of June for people to vote in. And Mike, what are the four options to choose from? So our four options are Batman the Animated Series episodes, The Cat and the Claw, Justice League Secret Origin one through three, Spider Man Night of the Lizard, and X Men Night of the Sentinels. Okay, good shows. So, We'll definitely go throw on, go down there, throw us a dollar, and you can put your vote in to help decide what we have to watch. All right. <laughs> you say again, you say it like it's like it's a bad thing. <laughs> and on to our feature presentation. And Mike, why don't you introduce what we're talking about? Or our, yeah, would you introduce what we're talking about? 2007's Bioshock. This was your pick. I think so. Sounds right. It was. I wouldn't have picked it. <laughs> the only bio before this before I played this game again, the only Bioshock that I would have ever put on the show was Infinite. The only one that I have liked. Bill's favorite. Oh yeah, it's 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 great. I, I I I'm trying to hold back my my complete annoyance at the fact that someone said it's great. I I'm not going to get into <laughs> Infinite. I won't get into that. No, I don't I don't like that game, not that much. I've only played Infinite once, and I played before this recording or for this research. I played the first Bioshock one. I never played two because I hated one. I played one probably in 20, 2010, let's say, when I first got my 360, and I was so excited to play it. Bought it for like 20 bucks or something, and I thought it was complete, utter garbage. I beat it. <laughs> I played through the entire game. I'm like, this is stupid. I just, I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember I really didn't like it, and I just, and, and I've always been talking shit about this game ever since. I think I've done it on the air, too. Okay. <laughs> how, did, how did this uh, run, how did this playthrough go for you? A lot better. I Good. actually Good. actually ended up really liking this game. Oh, okay. What I about was, you, Michael? I bought this game even before I owned a 360. I ended up buying it and borrowing my brothers and then beating it in a weekend. It's a uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and we should say what version I played this, the HD remastered version on PC. Same but PS4. Okay. Yeah, same on um, same on PC. Yep. PC is the way to play this game though. <laughs> I think so. I think I, yeah, I definitely had an easier time with the combat on, on PC. I played it for the first time on PS3 when it first came out with that port. Because this was originally an Xbox exclusive, right? If I'm not I mistaken. I think, so. I think it was a, a timed one. Because oh, by, yeah. by the time that it came out on PS3, they added like New Game Plus and a couple other little things. Right, right. Oh, that makes sense. Well, 360 also got there before PS3 even came out. So, right, right. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So for those that don't know, which is probably, and no one listened to this episode, yeah. uh, so this game is a first-person shooter that is a spiritual successor, I guess, to System Shock and System Shock 2, which I have never really played more than 10 minutes of. 
Because yeah, it's the only game. They're, they're kind of hard to go back to at this point. Yeah, I played about 15 minutes of System Shock 2, and I said, yeah, no, I don't, I don't need this any, anymore. So they are Shock. really hard to, to, get, to go back to. The first one is, I think, a DOS game. Probably. Yes. It, it's really, I, I actually did download it at one point, was trying to play it, and I couldn't do it. Two is still, two is hard. Even though two is newer, it was hard to go back to also. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's still like 2000, so. Is it that early or, or late, rather? It's somewhere around there. Huh. Maybe 98. So it's, it's around the same time as Deus Ex, which I think plays a lot better. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking that, too. Yeah, than, than System Shock. Interesting. Okay. 1999. Yeah. Deus Ex is... 99. I'm pretty okay. sure. Pretty sure. when I Googled it, did not work out very well. <laughs> it's fine. So, uh, Mike, what made you pick this game for the show? Because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the reasons you need, I guess, right? Good point. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked it. I'm glad that... I finally got a chance to replay it. So, I mean, the one thing that I think that's so special or known about this game is that it takes place completely underwater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the opening of this game, I, I, I had forgotten. Like, I had, so when I went back to this game, I remembered nothing except for the fact that I didn't like it and it was a bullshit game <laughs> and you're underwater and, and it's a first-person shooter. I remembered nothing else. Like, I had forgotten the plane crash in the beginning of how he crashes in the water and he's the only survivor and he ends up going to this lighthouse. Yeah, and actually, I'd like to, to very quickly um, talk a bit about the about kind of where this came from, especially the themes of it. Sure. As we kind of move through it, um, so have you guys ever read Atlas Shrugged? No, I know it's the inspiration for this though. Yeah. What is no, that? Mike? Yeah. Uh, Good. Don't. Don't. Don't okay. do that to yourselves. <laughs> it's. It's. I have. Um, this whole game is a lot of this game is based off the theories of objectivism, which was my warning at the beginning of the episode. And objectivism is the theory that everyone in society should work and play and live exactly as they want without care for anybody else's opinions or thoughts. It is hyper-capitalism, like super-de-duper hyper-capitalist, where there's no room for altruism, there's no room for social structure or uh, you know, like social services. If you, if you are not living to the best of your ability, you are a leech on society. You are a grub that needs to be stamped out. And Atlas Shrugged is essentially a um, a book that's a fictional book, and it's basically I'm not going to go through the, I'm not going to go through the story of Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> but essentially it involves a guy named John Galt who invents a machine for perpetual energy. There are all these Randian figures who are these industry magnates. I think this is written in the 50s, so it's all like oil barons and steel barons and railroad tycoons, and not as fun as the game. 57. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, basically all these. These industry types are tired of being leached from society. They're tired that the world is not supporting them and they're not doing what they uh, ought to do. They are leeches off of them, so they all decide to strike. Uh, John Galt has a 80-page monologue in which he explains over the radio the entire theory of objectivism multiple times. 80-page monologue, friends. Oh, Lord. What they do is they decide to all retreat. John Galt basically gets everyone, all the major figures of the society to retreat to a hidden, hidden force field protected gulch, 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 where they were going to let society crumble in on itself because no one would take their place. No one is as smart and as uh, driven as they are. Society falls apart. They're going to come back once society falls apart and rebuild it in their image. And it's a nice, happy ending. In, in in her world, in Ayn Rand's world. Bioshock is what really would happen if you did that. <laughs> if, you, if you took that route, Bioshock is what happened when you tried to put together science and art 
and society without morals or rules or anything like that. It does not turn out well. We need those things in our society to keep things on a even keel. So if you have a friend and you go to their house and you see Atlas Shrugged on their bookshelf, don't don't disown them as friends. That, that's not the right thing. But talk to them and be like, are you, are you okay? Because that's a really shitty philosophy <laughs> to like – have out there. You, you should just get rid of that book. I get it. Maybe it's up there. You read it when you were, you know, 22 when you're like, huh, he makes some salient points, Ayn Rand. And then you reach the world and the world is like, no, you, we need to be kind and empathetic towards people. Can't do that. Just get that off the shelf, my friend. So, <laughs> right. so that's, have... that's kind of where the world of Bioshock starts is that idea that uh, Andrew Ryan, of course, is an anagram for Ayn Rand, uh, has developed a city. That. Yeah, it's a developed a city under the under the sea called Rapture, which is ex- exactly that. Get the greatest minds of the world and allow them to create in a world where there is no restraint. There's no religion. There's no rules. There's no government. And uh, yeah, hyper capitalist. And this is what happens. <laughs> okay. So I'll let you go ahead and run with that, Mike. Um, how many? Do they ever say how many years it's been since everything went to shit? They don't. There, there is the um, there is the New York New Year's Eve party. I forget the year. That that takes place. That's where Frank Fontaine, which we will meet later on in the mm-hmm. game. You Frank Fontaine with one of the worst accents. He he launches the night New Year's Eve attack or revolt in which him and his his cronies um, attack Andrew Ryan's cronies. Okay, because that's what happens. They talk about it in the novelization, but it's been so long since I read it. It's like a prequel to the game. It's all uh, about yeah. setting up Rapture. Looks Is like it good. Const- uh, it's all right. Yeah, all right. Constru- looks like construction began in late 45. And then what is it? It's New Year's shit. Is it? S- it must be 60 according to. Yeah, this. I, I, anyway. I, I have the wiki in front of me. I could just look at that and see. But. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure it out. It's somewhere around <laughs> there. So like a little over 10 years. Yep. OK. Yeah, I was just curious about that because, I mean, the way that this game like presents it to you, like that first scene after you get to the lighthouse and you end up walking into it and you find the first fear that takes you into the city because you don't know what else to do. <laughs> I mean, you're just out in a random lighthouse in the middle of the ocean. You just survived a plane crash. Like it does a good job of really putting you into this world and you just see as you're going through this tube, like I think you see a squid go by as you're just seeing this mm-hmm. giant underwater city. And it really is kind of breathtaking. Like playing the HD version on my laptop, I'm like, wow, this looks really cool. Yeah, that first reveal is still awesome. It's one of the greatest in games, I think. It still holds up. It's gorgeous. All the mystery that's wrapped around it. You know, what is this amazing Art Deco world that I'm now in? Yeah, it's awesome. And, I mean, it does a good job of getting you ready for what's coming without really explaining anything. Like, I think there's a recording of Andrew Ryan that comes on, too, in the beginning of this. Yep. Okay. I beat this about a week ago. I actually beat this game in, like, three days. I couldn't stop playing. Yeah, the whole... uh... He gives you the whole should you not be, you know, allowed to have the sweat of your brow and whatnot. He's a the man in the Vatican says <laughs> you it cannot. It belongs have to it. God. It belongs to God. Can you just imagine building a city underwater like that, though? I, I just, I got nothing. How will you even do that? No, I, yeah, I, I don't know, but it's there and it's gorgeous. Um, it's <laughs> it's easily one of the best parts of this game is the setting, and that's everyone talks about the setting. It's just it's one of the most unique in games. The fact it's constantly leaking is so scary. <laughs> uh, it's 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 about to fall apart. It's pretty awesome. Because yeah, everything, yeah, because as you're going through, well, the whole thing is that at the time that you're here, we just kind of said everything's gone to shit. You have people running around killing each other. You have like you said, leaks everywhere. I, I do. I mean, the whole leaks is kind of freaky because I don't like underwater. 
I could never, I could never be in a sub. Like I have no interest in being something that deep where you're dead. <laughs> yeah, I've I've said this many times on the show. Water is scary. It's the scariest element on this planet because <laughs> nope. it's just yeah, like you said, Michael or Mike. It's uh, if that that leak becomes an ocean, as we see a couple times where things just burst. There's nothing you can do. You're just you're just dead man, dead man drowning. So, yeah, uh, not great. And even your first scene with the Spicers, I think you have some random guy who's trying to you know help you or meet you because I think you do you have a radio right away or someone just they heard someone was coming to the bathosphere so they came. I can't remember. Radio is in the bathosphere. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's when you start talking to Atlas. Did we get a spoiler warning for this? No, but we should. Be a good good episode for that. <laughs> Good point. There will be spoilers for Bioshock came in 2007, so, I mean, that was... Maybe third. even some for 2 and Infinite. Possibly. Uh, okay, we'll just put that warning in there. We'll try to stay away from 2 and Infinite spoilers, but definitely spoilers for Bioshock 1. It is the a old... complete circle if you play all the DLC. It sure is. It sure is. Well, it's more of a retcon than anything else. Yeah, it's well. more, of an, more of an oops-a-daisy. We made a lot of mistakes in Infinite. Let's give you a game where you can do all those things with not the right mechanics. I guess I know <laughs> we're bringing it back for Infinite. Sucks. Stupid and infinite. <laughs> we will be uh, for sure. <laughs> so I like how Atlas is the first guy that talks to you. And like again, now you bring the Atlas shrug thing and that brings more to where his name comes from. So I think that's kind of funny. And the first thing he says to you is, would you kindly pick up that shortwave radio? Yeah. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that that whole reference. Because I mean, when I was talking about this to you, you're like, oh, would you kindly? And I'm like, okay. And they keep saying, would you kindly? Would you kindly do this? Would you? And I'm like, Okay, and nowhere did it click of where this game goes with that. With that, none of that was in my head anymore. Neat little, neat little note on on an atlas. It was originally supposed to be a southern gentleman accent, but when they did play testing, people just didn't like it. They didn't, they didn't trust them for some weird reason. I don't know. So they switched to an Irish actor. Fun little story. I when I lived in New York, I have a friend who we we're. I don't know how we were talking about voice acting or games or anything. But he mentioned, he's like, oh, video games. I have a, a friend who, who did a voice acting on a, on a video game recently. I'm like, oh, yeah, what game? Or not recently. But he's like, I'm like, oh, what game was that? He's like, Bio something. I'm like, Bioshock? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 Bioshock. Is there like an Irish guy in Bioshock? <laughs> yeah, he's like the main character. He's like, oh, yeah, that's my, my friend. He did the voice for Atlas in, uh, in Bioshock. Wow. And sure enough, that's who he was. Yeah, he's an actual Irish guy. People make fun of the accent. It's a real Irish dude, so <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's the... explains why the New York accent so bad. Then, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I forget if the same guy did that accent as well, but yeah, possibly because that that gangster accent is oh boy, not he great. Ends up just sound like Tom Wilson Biff from Back to the Future. I actually <laughs> had to look it up. I'm like, is that just Biff? So what? It was the same guy who did the. Uh, both as far the... as I know, yeah. It was yeah. Okay. So there you go. That makes sense then. Because it does drastically change when the. When one of the twists happens in this game. Yo, it's probably my favorite line in the whole game. Nice work, boy. <laughs> Real good. It is very good. But I mean, yeah. just the opening is also like so brutal. Like as you see this guy get murdered in front of you after you are talking, and he's there to kind of like show you what's going on. And you start seeing the splicers, which are just random, like normal people that just are like, I guess, kind of like drug addicts at this point from the plasmids. It messes your mind real bad. Well, yeah, which makes sense. I mean, you you are taking some really heavy stuff in this game. It's literally rewriting your genetic code, as Atlas tells you, in a few minutes. Yeah, that would really fuck you up. Right, because why would you safely want to test something and kind of go through the motions? No, 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 no. Science without morality. Just stick it in your veins. See what happens. Yeah, that's go. all. That's all in that novel. Is it? Is it really? Yep. Okay. 
Okay. I want to read that now. Ah, I'll skip it. Oh, fun. <laughs> Not Atlas Shrug. I mean, the Wild Shock. No. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fontaine was a different guy. So sorry, sir. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But it's just so like, I mean, and that was the thing I kind of had. If I had remembered the fact that there were splicers, I remember them being like the regular enemy in the game, but I didn't remember a whole lot. And I also like one thing I know that this game is so famous for is you get a wrench. So that's your melee weapon that you get really, I think the first thing you get very quickly after the scene. Yep. He tells you to pick up a crowbar like you're Gordon Freeman. <laughs> yeah, basically. Which is funny. I mean, the wrench, the wrench is actually a really good weapon. Like I was surprised how good it is useful even late in the game. Oh, it's my main weapon. See, I was wondering if you had done it. I, Michael, I had a funny feeling. Did he just do lightning melee the entire time? I did lightning and shooting machine gun the entire yeah. time. I, I, it's Bioshock. We can talk about the combat now. Is it's fine. Bioshock plays okay. <laughs> it's perfectly serviceable. It's not great. It's not a wonderful first-person shooter. You can definitely play the entire game if you spec for melee, just lightning and melee, or if you want to do telekinesis and melee because telekinesis is more fun. Yeah, I like you get so many different plasmids. I only use lightning. I equip other ones, but I only use lightning. Wow. I used like, a bunch. I, I, I played with the toolbox this time around. I don't know how I'm still surprised after doing this show for almost a year. You know, you shouldn't be. <laughs> really should. I, I did. I did stay away from the wrench. I, I had to stop myself from like, oh, I'm going to use the wrench. Only I made myself use the handgun, the machine gun. I fell in love with the shotgun in this game for some reason. That's good. That's all right. I think I just like shotguns in games for the most part, but I, I use it a lot. And, and it took me a while to want to use the other, because each gun would get different ammo, like, like anti-personal rounds and anti-armor rounds. And I would actually, I, would, I wouldn't I would use them until I got to the point where everything was maxed out. I'm like, I probably should use that ammo I can't pick up anymore. That's what finally got me to use it. I think when I played this game the first time, I didn't use guns because I was trying to play it like a horror game, like a survival horror, and not use ammo, which don't play it like that. No. So I, that was another thing. So this time I, well, I went to it, not doing that. If you're playing on easy, you can play it pretty much however you want because the game is a cakewalk. Yeah, and even yeah. on normal, it's really you're you're never hurting for um, ammo um, midway through. You're constantly full on money, ammo, health kits, and everything. Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh, and I do gotta say, I don't ever need to play that don't the slime pipe game ever again for a while. <laughs> you don't like pipe I, dream? Yeah, I, I was saying you don't like pipe dream. <laughs> I hacked so many things in this game. Oh, you have to. I hacked every turret, almost yep. every little like sentry thing that I hacked everything. I got to a point where I'm just like, well, now that I beat this game. <laughs> Speaking of combat, there's a quote unquote weapon that I know you didn't use a whole lot, and that is the research camera. <laughs> which as you take pictures you kind of build experience against certain things and when you max out the turrets and the security drones you can hack them without doing that game it just hacks automatically why, well, why didn't you tell me this when we were before we i told you you get damage bonuses for everything <laughs> you, you, should be yeah. using, you should be dumping I, all your film into every enemy you come across yes i did start after you said something about like midway through the game i want to say <laughs> god that I did start using the camera after you said something. I didn't use it at first. I'm like, I don't because well, playing on a keyboard, I hit, I had to hit six to switch to the camera, and then two to switch back to a gun or something, or one for the wrench. And I don't know, just for me, I use the same, you know, using the same hand. I had to move my hand to hit the keys, and I didn't like it, so I wouldn't switch weapons a lot. Plus, I, when you I, first switch to yeah. the camera, everything's blurry for a second while he lines up. Mm, that's a good point. I I use a research camera 
half the time. And I, I was disappointed I didn't use it more because those bonuses are just so choice. Yeah, the no. main bonus you want to get, and I forget what enemy type gives you this, there's a plasmid that allows you to become invisible when you stand still. The Houdini oh. splicers. Oh, that's the Houdini? So I, I, that's, what I, that's how I broke the game because you just walk into an area, you stand still, they can't see you, and then you snipe their heads off with trap bolts or uh, yeah. with, with steel bolts. And that's literally how you can get through the latter half of the game with very little – I'll say very little issue because you do need to take on Big Daddies. We'll talk about that character design and we'll talk about Little Sisters and all that. Yeah, If you want to break the game, you use the, the invisibility – or active camouflage is what it's called. And then you – Get one that quiets your footsteps and does more damage with the wrench to unaware enemies right. and frozen field, which makes your wrench do ice damage and more damage. And you can basically sneak up on everything and kill in a couple swipes, especially yep. uneasy. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I got yeah. a couple of those. I didn't get the because I I hated the Houdini Slicer. They were the worst enemy for me. You I know why? Take, because you're not you're not taking pictures of them. I couldn't. I yeah. hated them. I just saw them and it was just kill them immediately. There was no. I mean, I would. I I did try to take pictures of stuff later. I think I think I maxed out spider slicers and a a couple of them that I, I took a lot of pictures because I was listening to you finally. And but Houdini's were one of those I did not mess with. I just hated them so much. They, every time they came on the screen, I was irritated. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really um, I don't particularly like playing with melee um, in any game. I'm just not a melee guy, so I, I always end up shooting instead of smacking. Yeah, I've seen runs of this game where literally they'll use electricity and and wrench the entire time. I thought that was and, the only way to play the game. But yeah, no, it's uh, no, no, and that's fun. That's the fun of this game too. There's a big toolbox, and I try to use every tool in there. I stuck with machine gun, kind of like you, even though it's horribly inaccurate. You're, it is horribly inaccurate. Not if that you're thing. close. Well, that's the thing. I'm always shooting from afar. Oh, I was trying to shoot from face. afar at least. But uh, it's because there's so much ammo. Um, we can all, should also talk. There's different ammo types per every weapon. The big drawback to combat is you can only use either you'd only have weapon or plasmid equipped. You does can't kind of dual wield. Does that change later in the series for infinite or two? Oh, it changes. Well, Two, which and the gun, okay. the gunplay and combat in two is miles better than. And that makes sense. I mean, this was the ha- seven. The hacking minigame is completely different in two. It's much okay. better. It doesn't pause everything, so it's not like in, in Bioshock. If you got to hack something and play Pipe Dreams, which I don't get tired of, I love Pipe Dreams. I was super into it. I got really good at it. It's I love it. I I, I find it a lot of fun. I can see why people would say it's it gets stale. I would it, rather do that than the same lock picking minigame that Bio. Not Bethesda has done since Fallout 3. I'm so <laughs> sick of that. Me too. I'm tired of that. <laughs> I, I, I always um, upgrade lockpicking very quickly, so it's just easy. So I don't have yeah. to spend a lot of time messing with it. Yeah, I the dumb lock. Bioshock 2, what they do is instead of that, the game doesn't stop. A little meter shows up, and it's one of those sliding needle puzzles where you have to get it, land it in the green to unlock it. Kind of like uh, Deus Ex, man. I think Mankind Divided does that with one of, the, one of, its, one of its things, but... It's not. It's pretty common style, but it's quick. It's just fast. The action doesn't stop, and it forces you. It's just a quick little thing that it makes you do. So I'm glad the game pauses though when you when you're playing Pipe Dreams. Like I could just sit there and hit all my buttons. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of a good relaxer, right? And uh, but it also takes you out of the experience. But it does a little bit, especially when you're hacking every single thing you see because I you need it. Have to hack everything, hack the world, and it's. I'm gonna sound like a uh, caricature of another podcast I like because um, they say the exact same thing. But anytime I get to turn the tables on my enemies, like use their weapons against them or use their people against them, I am all in on that. I use a lot of the Big Daddy. We'll talk about Big Daddies in a minute, but there's a plasma where you can have the Big Daddy join you. 
Mm-hmm. Like join your team. Oh yeah, I got boy, that. Boy, is that fun for mobs. Man, oh boy, just here, throw that, turn invisible, and just watch the carnage. <laughs> just, I've oh. never, I didn't use it ever. Oh, it's great. Uh, it takes an entire thing of Eve, but of course, because it's oh, it isn't Adam the, and Eve. Bill, does, when you first inject yourself with the first plasma that starts this whole thing, does he say yes. would you kindly to get you to do it? I no, think so. you, oh, no, you do it on your own volition. Okay, that's kind of cool. You Can come we, out of the. The, the doorway, and you hear the gatherer's garden machine behind you talking about being smarter than Einstein, stronger than Hercules. So Jack probably just thinks, hey, that sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm going to need every advantage I can get. Stick this into my veins, you know, and then <laughs> everyone else seemed to do it. And that um, it worked out well for them, obviously. And I think that gives you electricity because that's your yes, first one. That's the first one. That's the only that's that's partly why I stuck with it, too. I have a bad habit in a game where the first thing you give me. I will keep that first thing you give me and only use that thing. It's common. And I I have the same issue. That's why I actively try to use the entire toolbox as much as possible. I blame Dead Space for the one gun achievement. (laughs) (laughs) Is that really a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's an achievement for going through the entire game with just the plasma cutter. And that's that did lead to that problem that I have now. Mm -hmm. It didn't it didn't help it. Yeah, it's funny. So I, I only play with one gun when I can help it. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, in this game, I, I used all the guns. I, I I tried the fire plasmid. I tried the ice plasmid, but I just didn't like it. So then fire I, is I relatively just... useless other than getting into new areas. I, I don't like fire because then they just run towards you. And then I have to clunkily sh- switch back to my weapon to, to dispatch them. Telekinesis is super fun in this game. It, again, it's another thing that if you're good with it, you can break it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's constantly flammable things around. Actually, you can, and flinging enemies at other dead enemies at other enemies is really effective. Oh, yeah. That's the best way to use that. Yep. Super okay. effective. You I never did up, that. You can, you can one shot a lot, a lot of uh, splicers by mm-hmm. doing that. I mean, I, one thing that went uneasy, like you could kill people so fast, like Mike was saying, like it didn't take many hits and they were just dead. Oh, let me, let me uh, Mike, uh, Mike, what did you play this game on? Did you play it on hard, you know, like hardcore mode? <laughs> I've done it. I have all the achievements on this for 360. So, okay. I, being mm-hmm. on the hardest difficulty with no revi- with no Vita Chambers. Mm. I wouldn't hard. recommend it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are the, the Vita Chambers do again? I never died, so I. <laughs> when you die, it just spits you back out of one of those. The yeah. closest one. It's just a respawn point, basically. That's all it is. And from the fiction, it it only it will allow you to come back if you're wired with Andrew Ryan's genetic code. So it only works for people that are related to Andrew Ryan, which is a bit of a surprise once you get to the midpoint of this game where you realize a certain thing we'll get to. But okay, yeah. Why doesn't he respond then? That is an excellent question. The story Thoughtful. said no. Yeah, because the story said no. <laughs> Let's go. It's a game. It's a game. OK, that's cool, though. I, I just I remember the Vita Chambers. I know when I played this game before, it probably was on normal knowing me. So I would have died, but this time it was just straight up easy. I'm just like, get me through this game. I don't want to play this. I don't want to start it. That went away <laughs> fast, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, pretty good. So we went through the combat, which is fine. The plasma, which are fine. Um, that combat is improved upon in Bioshock 2 because you can actually properly dual wield. And it just opens up the game quite a bit. Plus, you have a drill I, hand, which is awesome. I yeah. look forward to trying to someday. It's great. I Maybe really love it, too. Yeah, she's good. I mean, it's just and it's the way that the game just kind of progresses you through where everything keeps things just keep happening. And I like how you always are on like little quests like and you have an arrow that tells you where to go, which I love in games. I love when the game tells me, go here, do this. All right. And 
another thing that's very I thought very interesting. This game is broken up into each area is broken up into its own section, and you can go back to them. Like there was one, I think it's the second section where the game told me if you leave, you didn't harvest all the little sisters, you can't come back. Well, they lied because I went at the end of the game, went back and went and got her because I was missing one. And I think that's another that's, that's so powerful about this game is that as you have the story moving you, you also have the ability to break the story and do your own thing if you need to or go back in areas. And people kind of stay dead that you kill. Enemies don't just keep constantly respawning, which is nice, too. They're not. And, and that, must be a, health. <laughs> that must be on easy mode because they sure do. In, in normal, they <laughs> uneasy. They enemies are, and, and enemies are constantly coming back. New splicers appear. Not as many usually, like one or two. We'll 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 be cruising around, but that must be an easy mode. Thing. It'll yeah. It'll spawn new ones when you hit certain story triggers. But if you're going back to old areas, there probably aren't any. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. what I'm talking about. When I I would clear, I would kill everyone I saw in this game. Well, you have to. I mean, well, I also love looting their bodies because you get money, and hey, you can even loot ashtrays. Sometimes you even get lucky and have a candy bar in an ashtray. Mm-mm-mm. Well, at least it's not like Bioshock Infinite, where you spend your entire diet rummaging through rummaging through crash cans, like because evidently the denizens of Columbia like to throw away perfectly good apples and pet bars and just throw them away. We have everything we need. So when we were playing this, Mike had made a comment. He's like, "I would never eat a candy bar ashtray." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Then it clicked. Oh yeah, he's playing Bioshock. So Mike, I have a question for you. So you never drank or tasted ash, have you before? That wonderful. No. Okay, no. that's terrible. Because when, when I was younger and I used to live with smokers, some they, people sometimes any smoker knows this, they'll put their ashes in a in a cup, like a McDonald's cup, and then you're like, oh look, this is my pop, and you start drinking it, and it's not your pop. It's terrible. Wow, I, I I've never That's, experienced this uh, terrible passage. Yeah, it doesn't ash sound good. takes terrible. Can't imagine. Even worse when it's not your ash because you're not smoking. Hmm. So there's my story. There's my story corner. Cool. Thank you, Mike. Gross. You reminded me of that terrible memory. Okay. <laughs> I just want. So I guess yeah. I guess moving on with with the story. So does anyone have like the the walkthrough? I don't remember. I who has a favorite section? <laughs> I like Arcadia. Just the the whole forest biome. I guess that is cool. It is. It's different from what you see the rest of the game, where it's just narrow corridors, and all of a sudden you have trees everywhere for a brief period. Yep. It's also a, when you meet. Oh, I think Andrew Ryan's lover. I, I think don't think this part. I don't think you meet her. I thought you go up to her later because you watch her die through the window. You're right. That's true. No, Julie, Julie's just a business partner. Julie yeah, just a business partner. Oh, okay. Her his his lover is long dead. You actually okay. stumble across their their boudoir. I guess he's yeah. there. Their, uh, he's right though. That is super freaking cool. Like it, it's a nice change up, and I like how he starts flooding. He kills the plants at one point to try to kill you, which will take all the oxygen out of the entire you know rapture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I don't know how it's getting oxygen when everything is sealed off in different parts, but hey, you know, it's going to hear no other. <laughs> the pneumo tubes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, we'll that's go with that. Sure. <laughs> and Air I think comes Ar- out of pneumo tubes. I think Arcadia is also kind of a big area. You have to kind of go around to different places like the farmer's market and find different items in order to build the antidote once you get there. And you, and when he kills his business partner, that's kind of like, that, that's a little, I think, he, I think you're outside the window and he just floods the room with a gas and kills her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of Fort Frolic. I love Fort Frolic. I love Sander Cohen. <laughs> I love all that stuff. Creepy, oh, creepy, I, creepy. Yeah, Sander Cohen is just that was a creepy scene. Ooh, well, I mean, this whole game is full of creepy scenes. Like the doctor in the first part, who's like operating on people, and you can one of the diaries you can pick up. I, I picked up every diary, but I didn't like listening to him usually until I figured out I could listen to him while I'm running around killing things, so it didn't affect my gameplay. Mm-hmm. And then he talks Which about, is, oh, I'm going to help uh, you. She's like, what are you yeah. doing with that? And she just starts cutting her face up. You can just hear her screaming on the on the mm-hmm. diary. So good. Oh, you were going to say something, Michael? Michael? No, just the way it should be. You should be able to listen to 
audio diaries while you're still yes. playing, not stuck yeah. in a menu. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Games, don't stop that. <laughs> stop doing that. Just let us walk around while we're listening to the audio diaries. Don't okay. don't don't turn it off on us. Please. And what we're reading, reading lengthy data pads or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, or we don't want someone talking to us on a radio where we can't hit any other buttons or attack the people in front of us where we just have to hold this orange radio on our hand while Otis talks to us. We don't want uh-huh. to do that. Which game is that? Dead Rising. Dead Rising. Oh, Dead Rising. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad mechanic. Don't do not do that. When you talk about Steinman. Steinman's amazing. I love that he's, uh, again, medicine without morality. Just, just <laughs> hey, I can fix everything. And mix that with a cocktail of gene splicing, you know, mixtures made out of sea slugs. And boy, oh boy, you get I mean, a maniac. Everybody's terrible. Yeah, no, it's good. There's no redeeming. And my question is how the city even really... Like, go kind of- get anywhere, because I feel like people just start killing each other pretty quickly. If you take away any, you know, punishment. Yeah. The, if you have no rules, then why would anyone follow any? And especially if you're, if you're, you know, we have natural rules that we live by because we're human beings that live on this planet. But when you start now splicing up with, with uh, genetic juice, you've now lost, you've just turned into monsters because you're now, you know, fundamentally changing who we are as human beings. It's an interesting, um, interesting point, right? So, and the enemies do change up. I felt like decently. Like yesterday, a lot of them kind of fit in the same, you know, type. Like spider slicers, lead slice, lead splicers, Houdini splicers. But I feel like they did change up a little bit the way that they played as the game progressed for me. Like they got harder, of course, and I had to actually like do a little bit more different things and not just stand there and take hits all the time. Because hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't. I just run at people, just shoot them, and just hit them. With the, once I got close enough, hit them with a wrench. Of that, what it came to. I just run up to him and take a bunch of pictures until it doesn't give me any more experience for it, and then I kill him. Now, again, because if you take a bunch of pictures, you get less experience per per shot, but you get something, right? Yep. Okay, see, that's what I always did, because that was why I didn't get all the upgrades through the camera, is that I would take the one shot, and then then I would kill them. I didn't go over and over again. So, yeah, that's probably where I fell short on that one. Did anyone go to dentistry in in, uh, whatever? Yeah, did you? Okay. Did you experience the? I, I'll tell. May I tell a quick story? Of course, sure. You mind? Okay. So the first time I played this was I don't remember. I think I was living in New York, so it must have been like 2009, 10, something like that. I'm going to dentistry, and there's a section where if you turn a corner, it's a long corridor with water that's about like hip deep. So you have to walk slowly. And on the mm. far end, in silhouette, <laughs> is a splicer just like murdering something, right? Cackling and murdering. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm walking towards because I didn't go to dentistry this time. I'll never step through through those doors again. I don't care what's in there. <laughs> so I'm walking through, and I'm walking through, and all of a sudden the lights go out. So now you're just walking. The sound of screaming and sloshing. Lights come back on again, and the, the guy's gone. Splice is gone. Take the turn. You see what he was doing? Horror, murder, great. Grab the whatever was there. I turn around. And I start walking back because I've been through this area. As soon as I walk out and I go back into like this main section. A splicer jumps out of a drawer, like jump scare <laughs> leaps. I'm playing this on PS3 at the time. I start shooting in the air. Splicer murders me. I dropped the game, turn it off, went to the bar, got hammered, didn't pick the game up for another six months. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did not. I was like, that's it. I'm never playing this again. Too scary. No, 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 no. And that was right. Yeah, go ahead. That's not even the worst offender when it comes to the jump scares that I always hear people mention. It's the one, it's somewhere around Fort Frolic where you go down a staircase and this entire room is flooded and there's a gene tonic all the way at the other end. And when you get it, you turn around and there are these mannequins 
or yes. splicers painted up like mannequins, and when you get close to them, they all attack you. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a little more creepy than scary because I I kind of suspected that. There's, the one that really gets me. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's another one where you pick up a gene tonic or something, and you turn around. There's a splicer right yep. there. Yep. Yeah, and actually, if you just stand there, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's just it just stands there and stares at you. But yes, that is freaking terrifying. <laughs> that that's the that was the other one that caused me to turn it off until my brother in law said I explained the story to him. He's like, just play with the sound off. I'm like, huh. So I played the first time I played this game, I played with the sound off and the subtitles on, and it was not as scary. It was I felt very comfortable just walking around doing my thing. So that was the first. This time around I did not. I played with the sound on and I did not go into dentistry. <laughs> when you get to see, I didn't no, I was like fuck that. I ain't doing did that. You, did you pick up the shotgun in medical though? Um I did uh yeah, well the shotgun is the one that's <laughs> in the middle of the right yeah, in the, the middle one? of the floor. Yeah, well, you have to pick that up. There, there's there no go. No? Nope. Huh. No, you got other. You got another one later on. It's a shotgun with a light on it. Like I play games. This game is also (laughs) trying to tell me about how I play games. You see a shotgun in the middle of the floor with a light on it. You pick it up. That's that's just natural gameplay. It's not a shotgun on a in a picture frame. You don't want to pick those up though. I asked Mike if he got the trapped shotgun. He's like, I have a shotgun. I said, Well, it's in medical. You pick it up. The lights go off and you swarm by splicers. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. (laughs) I was fun. Uh, I played this entire game with headphones on, sound on the entire time. No podcast, nothing. Just Wow. I had to, and I was enjoying myself. Like, I can't imagine playing this game. And I would also try to play this game when nobody was around because I didn't want to be distracted. I just wanted to play the game. I just wanted to. I got so immersed in this game. It was great. Well, I got to be careful because I have to turn look around every once in a while to make sure a child isn't walking (laughs) in, you know, while I'm murdering a splicer. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, and actually, let's talk a bit about, because I'm just now chomping at the bit to talk about it. Big Daddies. How great are Big Daddies? They're pretty sweet. I love their oh, design. The first the time I played this game, I skipped them all because I was scared to fight them, and I didn't want to use up ammunition, or and oh. that was a big mistake. So I wouldn't fight the Big Daddy. Why? <laughs> they're the most fun. They're so fun. Stupid? No, there's all well, I not, got. That's all I got. Sh- why I didn't do it? You're not stupid. You like to play games your way. Well, this was in 2011, Mike. This wasn't okay. This Mike. So okay. that Mike was stupid. We're not going to get to okay. it, but that Mike was dumb. Fair enough. We all grow, <laughs> and that's good. Michael, how did you approach Big Daddies? Because I bet you probably approached it the same way I did. I approached it with a grenade launcher, typically. <laughs> well, grenade launcher and traps. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big. I was a big fan of proximity mines. They are Big Daddies are rough because they don't really knock them back, and grenades will i actually and this was a tip i got from a different podcast or forgot where i got it but um the electric buck is super effective because every shot stops them and, they, yeah. and then electric buck if you want you can switch a great grenade launcher but you really can't or hit them with something else like a telekinesis something in their face boom back to the electric buck boom hit them again armored um, piercing really rounds. Take care of what's that the armored piercing rounds do a lot of damage too yeah, I just terribly inaccurate. And that was my, and they don't stop the the charge. You can just you just fill them full. Of, They're not inaccurate. You just have to get pummeled into the wall and just hold on the fire button, and they hit every time. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> I did. Again, I tr- I try to use my range weapons as range weapons. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yes, the armor piercing does well too. But I use that electric buck, and that's all I used it for. And it I, surf pretty would, well. It does work well. I would shock them, pull out the shotgun, and just hit them with the shotgun. And try to straff when the big drill is coming from my face. That didn't always work. Those and I'd get just hammered into the wall. I'm like, well, I guess we'll just play. We'll just play who has and we'll play the battle of nutrition. I'll win. So, <laughs> yeah, 
And big the big daddies are, are awesome. I I really do want a big daddy plush. I know they exist out there somewhere. <laughs> I really want a toy big daddy, and I want a toy uh, songbird from Infinite. Even as much as yeah. I don't like Infinite, songbird is pretty awesome. I'm pretty sure the collector's edition, both of them came with big daddy statues and songbird statues. Okay, because I think I've seen them before. I'm just I need to. I'd like to get my hands on it. There's no Big Daddy plush, but there is a Mr. Bubbles collector's plush for forty dollars on Amazon. Yeah, with the the baseball head and all that. Aww. Uh, no, it's just a it's just a Big Daddy and called. I don't oh. think this one has baseball. It's just called Mr. Bubbles. I want to make the joke. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are plushes of like replicas of what the little sisters carry around. The ones they've made themselves. Oh, they carry stuff. Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't pay attention. I just grabbed the little <laughs> maybe, girls. Maybe maybe it's in two. Rescued them. Wait, which one? I'm sorry, I was I was distracted. The Big, the the little sisters, the little dolls they have of big daddies that they made themselves. I like the baseball head and all that. Yeah, I don't remember it. I think they might have been in this one. Yeah, it might have been. I can't remember, though. You you might see them in Tenenbaum's den when you get there yeah. later in the game. Little Tenenbaum. Yep. And then little sisters, of course, are the very terrifying idea or concept. It's really oh, gross. Oh, God, yes. They are, they are designed to grow Adam inside their bodies. And then they also go around harvesting Adam from dead uh, splicers. The big daddies are designed to protect them at all costs. Did anyone get a chance to watch the trailer, like the original Bioshock trailer? I've no. seen it. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's, pretty, it's a pretty cool first-person kind of exploration of what Bioshock is. And it ends pretty grisly and gross. Which, of course, makes me go giggle. And then, uh, yeah, it's a really great concept. Now, did you guys harvest the sisters or did you save them? <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Go so ahead, I rescued Mike. everyone because I'm always goody two-shoes, goody two-shoes. When I play games, I just can't help it. And since so I every single and I went and got every single little sister in this game. I don't normally do that in a game I because I didn't need the Adam. I wasn't. I mean, I would yeah, buy the you, extra stuff. And I'm like, you I'm clearly weren't using, using them. So. <laughs> What's up? You clearly weren't using them. No, I would, I would buy them just because. Like, I would just buy everything because it was there. And I just wanted to complete this game, I guess, kind of, in, in, in that aspect of it. Where I just, I wanted, it gave me a reason to keep playing and, and continue my playthrough. And, but yeah, no, every single little girl, I would rescue them all. I could yeah. not, I never killed any of them. For the sake of the show, because I know Mike always plays good, I, I tend to play evil just to balance it out. So I was harvesting them all. And it's been a long time since I harvest, because you actually get more Adam by saving them. You get less at a time, but then you get the little bundles for every three. But (laughs) when you harvest them, the screen leg goes green and you can actually hear their heartbeats slow down and stop. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Do they scream no at you, too? Do you like them when you rescue them? Yeah, it's a little different, but yeah, they they still do that. Okay. Well, yeah, they don't trust you. You know, you just killed their big daddy. And, you know, they don't. But then when you rescue them, of course, they turn into weirdly modeled Oh, the oh, yeah. Unreal Unreal Engine creatures. Like <laughs> my wife is like, are are they automatons? Or they look weird. I'm like, no, that's just how they look. No, nope, that's just the engine they use. This doesn't doesn't make people well. I <laughs> uh, yeah, I saved every single one too. Uh, okay, I, I have to. I can't. It's it really because it really does imply that you are ripping them open to get out to get to the juicy <sighs> Adam stuff. Like, that's what it's implying. I mean, I don't know how else you get in there. So it is really horrifying and gross. You can do one. You can harvest one and still get the good ending because um, there are there are multiple endings here. So kind yeah. of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they're I agree. No, they're not great. And uh, that's that's anthemic of the series. No, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. When you harvest them, the screen goes green and then you're holding the sea slug and you just kind of toss it aside. So you kind of revert them into just base Adam, I guess. 
No, which, yeah, you, you. I think you just, just you just blorp them and grab the Adam sea slug that lives within them. So that's how I always took it. But then again, I'm a gross human being, so I shouldn't. I shouldn't <laughs> where my brain goes. But it's again really great mechanic. Big Daddy is one of the better enemies in uh, games, in my opinion. They're just super fun. You get to play. You get to fight them in a variety of ways. Player expression. Are they, are they ever called? When are they called Big Daddy? Because when you look at them, they're called the bouncers, and they call them Mr. Bubbles. Atlas refers to him the first time you see one. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's like, you think that's a child down there? And he talks about the little sister. And then when the splicer comes in and attacks her and Big Daddy comes out and kills her, he says, that's a Big Daddy. She okay. gathers, gathers the atom and he washes her back. Because hey, you, you see a scene later on, which we'll get to, but like they just inject the little needle gun into them and just start sucking it up. Yep. Yep. To dead people. The oh, angels God. are waiting for their kisses. Yeah, that's right. And the big in Bioshock 2, you get this amazing moment that when they actually harvest that atom, you have to set up a per- perimeter to protect them. So it's kind of like a little, I guess, do you call that tower defense, I guess? I don't know if that's the, yeah, the right term. Of. You have to protect your, your little sister. So it, it allows you to set up traps and find your entry points. And then you have to kind of fight off splicers until she's done. And it's so freaking fun. Okay. So good. It's I'll, more fun in two than the little section that you have to do it in this one. Yeah, there's like, yeah, that little section that's in the that's in the sad in the dead part of this game, which we'll definitely talk about. Most people who like Bioshock like the first two thirds, and then the final third, people are not as uh, hot on. They think it's boring and and tedious. I disagree oh. to a point. I just I enjoyed the entire game. I had a great experience from beginning to end. So did I. Which was well, we, not what I expected. Like everything with Tenenbaum, like the, the one who's creating the little sisters. Because as I was as I was rescuing, like she's just so like she's like the, I can't I my sins can't be forgiven for what I've done to turn these little girls into you know murdering monsters. Yep, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, she you know people you know Tenenbaum discovers some morals you know and and realizes that she's done wrong and is working out to right those wrongs and that's I think that is good. I mean and like how like a good chunk like you have Atlas that's kind of stringing you along. Because you're 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 trying to help him rescue his his family in quotations. I think it Ryan blows up something, and he's like, "Okay, now we're gonna go get Ryan finally." And yeah, yeah, you're trying to get to the sub and the the smuggler's den, and he ends up blowing the sub up, which is where Moira and Patrick are supposedly at. (laughs) Supposedly, (laughs) supposedly. Oh, we should. Yeah, we we and oh, as you're heading to the last sphere that leads you to where Andrew Ryan is, that's when you get to Sander Cohen, which we mentioned a little bit. We should talk about Sander. Mm, yes, we should. That I is love Sander. one of the most fucked up scenes in a game in a while. Like just everything to him where you have to kill his friends or people he worked with, like the guy at the piano. And I, I got stuck at this part because he the first guy you see is playing the piano. He lights him on fire or you do or something happens and you're supposed to take a picture of him. Well, I didn't know what to do. I went and wandered around and wandered around until I finally I read something. Oh, I'll take a picture. I'm like, oh, I guess I should have been paying attention. Yeah, he tells you that. I wasn't I wasn't listening. I had headphones. But I wasn't listening to him. And your intro to say. And your intro to Sander Cohen is him sitting at is sitting in the theater with the guy playing piano and he keeps continue screaming, play better or whatever it is. And finally, it, because this guy is not playing piano well because he's a ju- juiced up splicer, he uh, electrocutes him or blows him away or does something. Yeah, he lights him on fire. Oh, he lights him on fire. Yeah. And that's uh, he kind of takes you around this uh, to finish <laughs> his art piece. Unless you played the game before, then you run straight up on stage and hit him with the wrench and you explode him. And then he's like, oh, I guess you're not a fan of music. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is cool. correct. Yeah. Yep. 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 Whole four frolics fun. There's so many different little areas and things to find. Big push of this game is it's 0451, right? It's yeah. a 04, 0451 you know, legacy of it being an immersive sim. 
which is just discovering and learning things through the environment that you're in. And there is literally, I don't know, it's one of my favorite things in games. I mean, you just walk around and learn stuff. It's all the Deus Ex use that as their first code. Yep. Yep, and Prey uses it for their first code as well. So if you're playing a game that titles itself a, an immersive sim, the first code of the game is going to be 0451. That's just kind of like that, the hallmark. Okay, I learned something new. Yeah, but yeah, all, uh, yeah. It's, just, it's a very interesting part. Like I got stuck in this area for a while because I, I had to melt a door and it took me a second to realize I could. I forgot that I had that power. <laughs> I didn't use it. <laughs> yeah. wow. I don't use fire much at all. Yeah. I just Once you get people. the napalm lo- or the chemical thrower, you don't need it because you can just use the napalm to melt the ice. Oh, yep. that's that squirt gun that I never used, not even once the entire game. I didn't use the crossbow. I beat this game twice and I didn't use the crossbow. I use crossbow all the time. <laughs> I use it. That was my, that became my main. Once I had, because you can also, when you're using the crossbow, I don't really, I never really used, I'm with Mike on that. I never really used the flamethrower slash nitrogen thrower because the range is a little on the short side. And again, it doesn't stop anything. So if you're in a mob, you're not stopping anybody by using this to just set on fire running around senselessly. Yeah. I just use it and lure the plasmids because you can yeah. use napalm to melt the ice and then they let the, whatever the electric gel is called. It might just be electric gel. You can use That's it right. to, in place of the electro bolt. Okay. So, yeah. I know I always had enough Eve to do the electro bolt. So, and plus I are able to upgrade. We didn't mention that you can upgrade your plasmids throughout the game. So they become more powerful. So I just uh, put upgrades into my Electro Bolt, and I was more than more than fine for yeah. everything I, I came across. Because you get um, with the, the Atom for. Yeah, I didn't really use Electro Bolt this time around. Just say no, I use it all the time. Again, I like stopping and shooting. I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of that. And and I use a trap bolt. Yeah, I use, not the trap bolt, but the steel bolts because you can recover them from the enemies. So if oh, you trap cool. if you trap somebody like in the head or catch them in the arm. You can go back in there and grab that bolt sometimes, not not all the time. Which I thought was weird for me because I like crossbows and bows and games a lot, but I just I got it, but I never used. I'm like, oh, I'm saving this, and I don't know what I was saving it for, but yeah, I'm saving you it. Should, you should play Half Life then. That should be episode two eighty two. Let me uh, let's just do that one because you desperately need the crossbow for that one. <laughs> I need to play Half Life one and two because I've never played either of them. But that's <laughs> another time. <laughs> one day. But anyway, so yeah, we 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 get to the point where. Where are we at now? Oh, yeah. Sandra we're at the Cohen. The, yeah, Sandra Cohen. He's awesome. You uh, basically complete his masterpiece, and then he <laughs> turns just, on you, right? Just weird statues holding picture frames, and then you put pictures of his dead disciples in them. Yes. Which is weird. Which is and pretty then, weird. <laughs> then you get the, the irony achievement for taking a picture of him if you choose to fight him. Yeah. Like, you can choose? <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't have to. Yeah, oh, I, I killed didn't. that fucker. Nope. I didn't, actually. This time around, I, I was like, Sander... You're a, you're a psychopath. I don't know. I like the cut of your jib. I'm going to let you I'm gonna let you live. Because what's yeah. really cool is if you do that later on in the game when you discover his apartment in, um, was it Mercury Suites, I think it is? Yeah. You, you, he'll be there, like, hanging out. Just, like, just hanging out. And then you can choose to whether or not to murder him or not. Oh, that's cool. Yep. If you, you kill him, you take the key to his muse, which is just a chest with weird shit in it. And then if you let him live, he opens the opposite display and you can get a Tonic or plasmid or something. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Gene tonic. Pretty good. Yeah, I always have to kill him, I guess. I, well, I thought you had to. Plus, I wanted to, so. No. <laughs> he deserved it. He's crazy. He and is a crazy a, person, yeah. And then the, then after you beat him, then you're finally able to go to the sphere, which leads you to Ryan, which is the whole part where you're trying to shut down his little, like, lock to get to where he's at in his office. Yeah, you're in Hephaestus, which is, like, the main inner workings of Rapture, so that... It's definitely stuff you want to screw around with. (laughs) 
it, it's a good part, though. Like, this is a really good, like, narrative part. Also, when we're talking about the Big Daddies, I wanted to mention that I, every time I'd see a Big Daddy, I would kill it because I was looking for the little sister because I was trying to get them all. And it wasn't <laughs> until Mike told me, he's like, when you see a Big Daddy wandering around, you're looking for a little sister, they'll go to different holes and then they'll go in, and they'll bang on it and get one. So I did that, thanks to Mike. I wait and found one. I just need one more sister. And I followed him and followed him. And all of a sudden, he started banging. And I waited until she climbed out and I just murdered him after that. And took yeah. it nice. Actually, I didn't get all the little sisters because I had two of this area of the three that were supposed to be there. And I followed this big daddy around and just wouldn't spawn another little sister for me. So I had to just move on. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they don't. Sometimes there's just big daddies hanging out with no sisters around, which, again, you can you can uh, if you want to take them on, feel free. You don't have to, though. They'll, they will completely ignore you. You could be fighting a bunch of splicers and they don't even care. They yeah. only unless you hit them inadvertently. Yep. And then, of course, they'll turn on you. So that electric. Electric flesh plasma will bite you in the ass because it sends out a shockwave when you get damaged. So yep. watch out for that. Yep, you don't want to want to get that guy mad at you, which again is why that Big Daddy uh, plasmid is really great because then you get this monstrous, that guy just he goes ahead of you and murders everyone in sight. That's great. Yeah, he's, I, I would see him fight. Uh, sometimes they would be fighting Spicers and I would just let him fight him and I would just watch. Neither one of them do any kind of damage against each other, unfortunately. Oh, they don't hurt each other? They do, but it's just like negligible damage. He'll eventually kill a splicer, but they won't do enough damage to make okay. it easy for you or anything. I didn't usually wait too long because I get impatient to start shooting myself. <laughs> I'm like, I don't got time for this. I want to shoot too. Uh, but the whole hep- hepatitis, Hephaestus, Hephaestus. <laughs> I think we had the same problem during the Percy Jackson episode. Uh, that was a long time ago. Uh huh. Almost a year. And. That that was a good part. Like I enjoyed this whole part where you're trying to put this bomb together and you have to go find different parts and you have to kill big daddies to get a part from them to make this bomb. And then yeah, you, so you pretty this, much yeah. are destroying Rapture because you're trying to like short circuit the generator or something of the entire city, I felt like. Something yeah, like that. You're putting together an EMP, which is going to, yeah, like you said, short circuit a generator that makes a lot of the a lot of the objectives in this get mushed together, kind of muddled. For me, at least, you know, because the fun of it is, of course, exploration and, and the, the exploration is the fun part of it. And the personal stories are the fun part of it. The objectives for me are always secondary. So I always forget what I was supposed to do. Again, I'm just following an arrow. I'm following an icon on the map screen. Would you kindly player with the <laughs> controller in your hand? Do this thing we tell you to do and don't really worry about what it is, which again is a theme, which is good. And then when you finally get to Ryan, this scene is I vaguely remembered this scene before when I was playing this. Like I, I knew that he died. I knew how he died, but I forgot the details of would you kindly. I just know what you got to him and you killed him with a golf club. Uh-huh. This is, I think, when the story all comes around, when Ryan explains who you are and why you're here. Yeah, because you were so you were like what a, t- a, a child that was born in Rapture. But then brought into the real world or the you know above and to be raised as a like trump card kind of thing. So Ryan and this dancer, this dancer gets a payoff from Tenenbaum to be basically inseminated with Ryan's DNA to birth this child, and then they put all these like mental crap in your head, and she and Fontaine ship you out until they need you, which is where the game starts. Yeah, so you're basically a walking a walking sleeper cell almost for for Fontaine. Exactly right. Yeah, they have she. Uh, I for, I didn't realize it was injected DNA. I thought this was just literally the child of of Ryan and his mistress. I didn't realize there was DNA involved, but that's fine. Uh, they also accelerate your growth, so you haven't been alive very long, and they implant you with memories of a life that wasn't there. So you basically kind of wake up and you think you have a life, and you think you have 
uh, agency and you do not. Um, and again, the big theme of this is also you as the player. Do you really have agency when you play video games? Or do you just follow the arrow and say, yes, game, I will do what you tell me? Can you actually explore and do your own thing? And the answer, of course, is no, because games have parameters and they have they have to block you in somehow for the most part. Right. And that's kind of what the what the second theme of this is, that um, player agency is not a real thing. It's just manufactured, which I think is actually really interesting and good. And I like when games explore that side of that meta side of playing video games, namely the wonderful and amazing Spec Ops The Line. I'm sure I've mentioned that on this show numerous times. It does that beautifully and brilliantly. So, yeah. So, basically, yeah, you're just a walking bomb for Fontaine to um, activate with the good old-fashioned Would You Kindly. Kind of flashes back to all the times you've been Would You kindly including you on the plane with that um, with the briefcase. There's a sign, Would You Kindly with a gun. And so you're the one who caused the crash that got you to, got you to – and that's why, again, you went in the bathosphere and you didn't just sit there and wait for a rescue and you just – did all the things you did. You as the player had no control or agency over anything. It was all a ploy. What did you guys think of Andrew Ryan's decision to just let you kill him? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's kind of trusting that you're stronger than the coding in your head, which doesn't really pay off for him. He wants you. <laughs> I take it as he wants you to be stronger than your coding. And he'd rather go out on his own terms than go out you know, a slave to Fontaine or a, a sur- subservient. So I think it's really both things. He's desperate for you to just break that program because you're his son. Like you're his own genetic makeup to a certain extent. But also, you know what? Come on, Slave. Prove me right. Prove my theories right. Because I – this is – because you're a a man – what is it? A man does something. A slave obeys. A man chooses. A slave obeys. That's it. A man chooses. A slave obeys. It's almost like I love my morality so much. I'm a moral character based on my moral – compass i'd rather die defending that than live in a world where frank fontaine is going to take over with with his his group of uh because he frank fontaine has kind of gone to the underground to the people who are disenfranchised to those who are not the mac because again who i think it's mentioned in an audio log you know someone's got to clean the toilets (laughs) i mean (laughs) it's not just these masters of society there's people here who you know maintain the pipes he goes to them who are probably living in squalor and raises up this revolution. Yeah, of, he's got the whole Fontaine's house for the poor or something. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which is so antithesis to Randian philosophy and Andrew Ryan's. That, that, what do you mean a house for the poor? They should just work. And if they aren't smart enough, then they should just work until they die. Which is what Ayn Rand would say, which is why she sucks. So, yeah, it's it's so good. And it's such an effective, fun little fact. I was playing Fallout New Vegas recently. There is an achievement where if you take out Mr. House with a very specific golf club, <laughs> it, gives you the, it gives you the would you kindly <laughs> achievement. Oh, it's great. See, I remembered that you killed Ryan, but I had forgotten everything. I'd forgotten that he let you pretty much kill him and that you're all being like controlled. I forgot all that. Oh, by the time you get there, too, you've kind of broken him. He's yeah. so sure that the city's about to open and all this stuff, and you overcoming all these defenses has kind of proved that it's not in the state he seems to think it is, so he's kind of lost already. And he also, you know, I just, he also launches you know, a self-destruct mechanism. Like, he's ready to just sink Rapture to the ground in order to stop you, because if, it can't, if it's not going to be a model of his philosophies, then what's the point of it? What's the purpose? Yeah. You deserve to die if, if he can't have what he wants. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, everyone deserves to die if he doesn't get what he wants. I think is what kind of how I took it. Basically, yeah. 
There's not many people left. And it was just during this recording that it that it clicked that the that the dead the dead dance that you find is your mother, sort of. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you did not put two and two together until just now during this recording. Yeah. As you're walking around Rapture, especially towards the beginning, you keep seeing a flash of this picture with Jack surrounded by what you assume are his parents. And when you walk into the that back room at the club, it shows that picture and it kinda like zooms in on the woman the woman's face, which would be his mother. So he's kinda like subconsciously connecting the dots, I guess. Even right. If he doesn't realize it. Right. Okay. That's the first time I put that together too. <laughs> so you put a golf club through Andrew Ryan's head. This is one of the most celebrated scenes in any video game. I mean, if you look up a, you know, watch Mojo top 10 scenes in games, it's probably, <laughs> probably there. I mean, I, I can't imagine it not being there. Um, For sure there. I'm sure. I'm sure. You leave now, of course, Fontaine, you know, shows his hand. Atlas was Fontaine. Evidently, I just looked it up. It is diff. They are different actors. So there you go. Yeah, that makes sense because it does not complete. I mean, everything is so different. Hey, there, boyo, as uh, Michael very nicely <laughs> said before. Uh, he sends a bunch of security drones to finish you off because you're done. But Tenenbaum saves the day. Uh, a little sister comes and shows you a secret little, I think that's right, yeah. a secret little passageway yep. where you end up in the nursery of all the little sisters. How does this articulate if you've been murdering them the entire time, <laughs> there, Michael? It's, it's basically just the little sisters have different lines. Where the little girl asks, who's he? And if you're good, it's like, he's nice. He's going to help us. And then if you're Harvey Stem, it's like, he's mean. Stay away from him. <laughs> so it's well, like so- infamous level of karma. Where it's like, uh, okay, it's just kind of there. Yeah, and that's the, that's one of the big knocks I have against Bioshock is how it treats its karma. It's very one-noted. It makes it has very little agency in the story. It also is weird because it rewards you for rewards you like you said, Michael rewards you more for doing the right thing. It really ought to reward you more for doing the wrong thing because that's the moral question, right? Do I do I get more Adam from this from this little girl for by doing the wrong thing? Helps me more. Helps me get more plasmids. Bah, bah, bah. Or do I get less? And again, like you said, every every three you harvest, you get a prize and yeah. more Adam. So it doesn't make any difference. Of course, you're going to harvest them. And I think Levine, who, of course, is the what do you call it? the auteur, Ken Levine, the auteur yeah. behind the Bioshock series. He, he was uh, quoted in an interview saying he couldn't make it so you get more stuff from harvesting. He, he just couldn't handle that. Like he's like, I couldn't I couldn't do that. Which is fine, but it really does your morality undercut the morality of the game. So it undercut the story. So, but anyway, that's fine. Yeah. So you end up in the in the nursery, and now you have a new mission to get Mister Fontaine. <laughs> First and foremost, you got to break the the control he's got over you. Correct. Yeah, and I think Tenemom just does that. Yeah. Well, she does some of it, but then. So she breaks the would you kindly because he's like, would you kindly go get stepped on by a big daddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he uh, initiates code yellow, which basically tells his heart to stop slowly. It's supposed to tell it to stop completely. But since Tenenbaum removed a lot of the mental stuff, it, and that's a really fun mechanic. I And now this is where people don't like this game. And I don't I'm with you, Mike. I really enjoyed most of this. Some of the stuff I don't I don't like. And I don't think it's as successful as the first two thirds, but. We're getting to my favorite part. Oh, yeah. All right. Interesting. Lot 192. Because like I said, the, the first thing you have to do is go break the controls. So Tenenbaum tells you about uh, basically an antidote to the the brainwashing. Right. So you go to Su Chong's place, which we didn't talk about. He's just one of the main scientists behind Rapture. And you take the first dose of Lot 192. And the side effect is it randomizes your plasmids. And yes. so you take the other half. 
I love this because it makes you it makes you mix up your your combat unless you're just using weapons. Yes, it does. I but love it too. I it's thought it was so great. much fun. <laughs> I like when games force you to use the toolbox. You you use everything. Do different things. Um, I, it's kind of like I think one of the Metal Gears it, it strips you down to nothing, which forces you to be stealthy and and mankind divided. I do that or this. Strips you down. You mean literally strips you down. Well, I think yes. every Metal Gear does that at some point. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, but, but not I completely I, naked where you grab your balls and do cartwheels. Yeah, that's two. There's only one. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, either man- Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, or Human Revolution. I forget which one. They do a similar thing. Like you get captured, but you have none of your stuff, so you have to like stealth around and be really careful with ammo. Because at that point, you've probably got more ammo than you'll ever need in the history of ever. I love when games do that, and this is actually really great. I love this. You're right. Yeah. Every fun. time it switches your plasma, it completely refills your Eve, so there's really no downside to just no. going full bore. Yeah. It does, and it, it does and that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And I, I like, you know, all of a sudden I have bees, and I'm like, oh, I have bees. That's right. Yeah. Insects in someone's face. Cool. That's, that's awesome. I forgot how fun this is. It's yeah. better in two when you upgrade it, because when the, the bees kill somebody, it basically turns their corpse into a nest. Or a hive. So when something else gets near it, it shoots out more. It's like this never-ending cycle. It's It's excellent. Just throw them into it. Just do that in a corridor, like in a hallway, you know, or like in a doorway, (laughs) and just watch the fun ensue. No, it's great. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, so you have to go and and remove the rest of this because you're. It is also a cool mechanic watching your heart, your uh, your life bar decrease slowly but surely. That really adds an immediacy to it. Um, That's really fun. And finally, you're using the nine plus you know health packs that you currently have so you're not wrong i was maxed out all the time oh yeah especially on easy on easy you probably maxed out you know before even meeting a big daddy yeah but i would there would be times where i'd run out though really interesting okay not run sorry i shouldn't say run out there were times when i get like like five and i get like oh i'm getting nervous (laughs) you're running here on half uh yeah no that's i I get that totally because i was always killing things so who makes the the serum i guess that's tenabon who makes it I would assume. Well, yeah. Sujong just kind of had it laying around, I guess. Oh, that's right. Yes, you're right. It was in a because you go to Sujong's Sujong's place. So you get yeah. that. You recover your health. You stop with the the randomization, and then is this when they tell you to become a big daddy? Not yeah, yet. Yeah, because well, you go into yet. the next. I think so. You go into the next place, and Fontaine's kind of like done with you, so he's splicing up for the first time. He's ready to throw hands, but then he just kind of runs away <laughs> like a bit. Yeah, that's right. So, Kind of mom is, tells you the only way to open the door is to get a big dad or a, a little sister to crawl through and open it from the other side. And the only way to do that is to become a big daddy. There is the point, too, where before this, you go through Mercury Suites, I think it is, which yeah. is the apartment complex where you get to see where everyone lived, which is so fun and cool. That's where Sandra Cohen's apartment is. You can see Tenenbaum's apartment where she had this giant library and it's smeared with blood. And there's some really gross, grody stuff like hanging out in these apartments. Yeah, and it's really more combat. The issue with this, though, is that it's not Rapture anymore. Like, you're not in the beautiful tubes, and you're not looking out the window, as I did. I would just sit there and look out the window. Like, oh my gosh, this is so gorgeous. You're just kind of in an apartment complex now, but there's so much fun environmental storytelling that it doesn't matter. Yeah, because you're going up to Fontaine's penthouse, which is where the other half of a lot one That's right. is. That's right, yes. Mike, how'd you feel about kind of this, this section's uh, coming up? Like, you know, this whole section here. I enjoyed the whole apartment hopping thing where you're looking for the ingredients to make the medicine to stop i thought it was cool i yeah. thought it was a nice change that was great no, it's, it's i didn't great. have a problem not being you know looking out and seeing the water i was content where i was at i had a good moment here because after you get it you come out and there's a splicer there like rigging up a, a turret and since i had <laughs> the 
silent footfalls, I just walked up and like tapped it and hacked it and it immediately shot him with a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Turning tables on the splicers with, with their own their own stuff is just I don't know. It's so wonderful. It's so fun. I always um, like when I can control enemies. Like a yeah. control control actually has a really good mechanic where you can basically bring them to your side temporarily. I guess this one has it too with Enrage, but it just makes a fight whoever's closest to him. Yeah, one of the first powers you get in Bioshock Infinite is the possess one, where if you possess an enemy, they'll fight for you. But of course, because Bioshock Infinite has to go too far with everything, at the end, once the, once the enemy is, once the power wears off, it just, the enemy can commit suicide. That's when so, you upgrade it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it, they just go right back to attacking you. No, I think that's just, that just happens by default, because that's one of the big, again, because Bioshock Infinite has to go too far with everything. Everything that doesn't matter. You make it sound like Thor Ragnarok or something. <laughs> it is not as bad as Thor Ragnarok. A, a 16 ton um, weight doesn't fall on their heads after they die. That would be a Thor <laughs> Ragnarok. Um, that's what they would do. No, because they, they'll, they'll shoot themselves in the head or they'll smash themselves in the face with their baton until they just crumble. And it's like, okay, well, that's neat, I guess. But why? doesn't Okay. Why did you build your... <laughs> Nothing in Bioshock Infinite matters in the world that it lives in. It, nothing makes sense. Nothing. It doesn't. Why would you build a? Why would you build something that that you can just dispense and spend twenty bucks on that anyone can do that you do that you would use to kill someone, force someone to commit suicide after they've been possessed? Like, why would you have that? In in this game, it makes sense because they're doing this as part of this culture that's falling apart and. And of course, in Bioshock, in the world of Bioshock, you have to pay for your health kits and pay for all this stuff because it's hyper capitalism you gotta pay for your health care damn it i don't care if you're dying so <laughs> anyway no i'm not i can't i yeah, can't remember, go on this tear. remember how you weren't gonna go on about infinite <laughs> i know i cannot go on this tear. i can't do it all right anyway back to the so back to the point where we have to turn into a big daddy and i don't love this i don't love I, this. I i like this no. you have to get the helmet you gotta get the boots you gotta get the pheromone like i actually really enjoyed this part the helmet's the worst part because oh. it, it gives you tunnel vision it sucks yeah. Yeah, that was it a little sucks. annoying. It's it's very annoying. It you created this gorgeous world of rapture, and now you're gonna limit what I see of it, and you're gonna limit what I see of enemies, and it's not additive, right? Plus the the mental image of that thing going in, because I think it like screws into your eyeballs oh, or something. No, you're thinking of the the th- the voice modulation. Oh, that's right. The voice it, like mod- crams down your throat, and it's like this mixer. Ah, go go go! Not great. So you turn into a big daddy to which is the only way the little sisters. This is also the point where you have that little escort mission where you have to keep the, keep her alive. Not fun. Again, this whole part here is is not great. And this is kind of where the game starts falling on its face a bit because again, you're escorting. It's not terribly challenging, but it is rather annoying. Yeah, uh, I had like, to go through this a couple times. It's like padding, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, we don't know how to wrap this up," so they give you the crappy boss fight at the end. Yeah, the boss I like terrible. I like the boots. <laughs> that you get because it just makes every step. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That's true. Bring it it's back to dead, dead Rising. It's like having the Meg Vampires. I, I love big clunky footsteps. But it's also <laughs> done because you don't get to use your drill. Like true. You get the drill? No. No. I mean, no. But your big daddy, you have one. The Rosies don't have drills. They have the rivet guns. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, you don't get a rivet gun no. There's no benefit. It's not an additive thing. You still take damage the same way you did before. You uh, it you says it reduces it. It's like twenty or twenty five percent. That's it. Okay. When you get the, the the bodysuit. Okay. All right. It's still that cool case. that 
it's there. Like, I mean, it's just a little bit of padding to make the game just a little bit longer. They know what to do. But it's weird, too, because the, the little sisters, you know, they know who you are. They're going to listen to their Tenenbaum. Like, I don't oh. understand why they went through this whole God turn into a big daddy. Not the way Mike played this game. They're probably like, well, why are we helping this asshole? Our morality doesn't matter. So, I mean, it's <laughs> well, fine. She's, Tenenbaum's just worried about getting Fontaine because she says the little sisters are better off with you than they are under his thumb. Right. right. Yeah, but in, yeah. in mine, I was a hero. Yeah, well. So, so I, was like, <laughs> I, was, I was a hero. They loved me. They, I, was, I was beloved by the little sisters and, and, and I, ten of them. I didn't mind the escort part. I thought the escort part was fine when you escort a little <laughs> sister and she harv- <laughs> they're harvesting the bodies. Like, I had no problem with that. I don't vote well for two because you have to do that with every little sister. That's fine. Every, see, but that's different because you get a chance to to set up the defenses, which is yeah. so fun and good. And um, the combat's better. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so much I, better. Combat's really good in this game, though. Eh. Eh. It's fine. It's, <laughs> really it's what I would call serviceable. It's serviceable combat. Gets the job done, but the it's fact not. That I went back through an entire area just to find a little sister. I mean, that that to me, this is a lot for me about this game. How much I enjoyed it because that's that's not me. Sure. No, I I love this game. So, not a huge knock, but definitely is as a low point when you turn into a big daddy. And again, the environments you're in, they're just kind of like standard hallways and you know a standard factory or standard you know laboratory. Although it is kind of neat to see how the big daddies are actually created. I don't think there's enough environmental storytelling to really cement how it happens. Eh, but it's still pretty pretty cool, at least to see where they get created. So finally, you become a big daddy. You're all, you're all kitted up with everything you need. You go to the top of the whatever it is, and Frank Fontaine is there and looks really <laughs> stupid. Mr. Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> the orange version, yeah. Basically, I, um, I had rem- so this fight I had vaguely remembered fighting a big orange guy at the end of this game, and I remember hating this fight. So I and I remember dying. So I must have played on normal because on easy it was just a K clock. I just shot him, and it didn't take long before he was healing himself, and I got to shove the the syringe into him to suck out the atom. Mm-hmm. Which did not take long at all. Repeat lame. four times, and it's over. Yeah, it's just very it's very video gamey, and may, you may be able to paper it over by saying, "Well, this is again just another commentary on games where you have to hit the enemy for you know four phases or three phases and shoot him three times." And yeah, but you're still playing a game, and this is still something that yeah, has to feel good in my hands. And this this two, just doesn't. It's 2007. You see, so I'm okay with it. So now this was made yeah. in 2002. You would have done that about 12 times with this uh-huh. thing, and each time that you would have done a set of four, they would have changed and had something else happening terrible in the battlefield just to make the game longer. I mean, he does, like, he summons the security drones at first, and then splicers come. Yeah, but if it was it's... 2002, it would, have, it would have somehow made it a lot worse. Yeah, and if, 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 you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're not hacking those security drones the second they show up, so they go and do your bidding, you're doing something wrong. That's fine. I, I don't. Well, actually, not fine. I don't. I don't like this battle at all. I think it's just very uninteresting and generic. Uh, the environment's very bland. There's nothing to the environment. I think. It's 2007. Think it's yeah. It's to, just one room with a bunch of machinery in it. Uh, yeah, and it's you had yeah. to finish the game with a boss fight. You couldn't just had something like a story. Like right. if this game would have came out later, in like 2013, 2014, they might have gotten away with not having a big boss fight. But in 2007, I, that would that would have been impossible to have. Yeah, because. I'll tell you right now, two does not finish with the boss fight. No, it does not, and it's better for it because you don't mm-hmm. you don't really need it, and also it doesn't inspire you to use any creativity. Like if you've been spending the whole time shocking and smacking, it's just a big shock and smack fest. Like there's no, <laughs> it doesn't encourage you to do other things. You know, maybe if they actually reignited the randomization randomizer, that would be fun. You know, like use the randomizer. 
you know, a big daddy shows up, you throw the little plasma at him. You, you don't have the opportunity to switch things, I don't think. Or there might be a gene bank. I don't remember. Uh, there's a one right outside before. Yeah, you you're right. There is a gene bank. So you can go in and customize a bit. Hang on, everybody. Hang on. Stop. 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 Stop shooting me. I got it. I got to swatch, swap out my jeans. Hang on. <laughs> I don't know. You know it, and the other thing that work. we, you know, we completely forgot to mention that you can also buy items in this game at little shops called the Circus of Value. The Circus of Value. <laughs> Come back when you get some money, buddy. <laughs> And that's another thing kind of like I liked about this game is that when I, I maxed out my money multiple times in the game where I would just buy random crap just to buy crap to spend the money to get more money. <laughs> I got to the point where I was just paying to hack things just because I wanted to get through it quicker. Because Pipe Dream is really fun. So. <laughs> you just have to. It's just a hack. Cause, yeah, exactly. You're I, Again, halfway through this game, more than but by the time you hit halfway, you have more weapons and ammo than you'll ever need. And you're you're good. And you're carrying around six different types of weapons, like clanging around, clonk, 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 clonk. You know, a lot of this game is very video gamey, you know. But again, you can you handle gotta, it. Yeah, you got to give Infinite some credit. It limits you to only having two guns at a time, yeah, so you because don't get like that. Because that's fun. Because that's fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you want it both ways. Got I it. do. Damn it, I do want it both ways. Well, hang that's on, a hang Halo on. thing. Fair, the whole fair. thing with two guns. That's all because of Halo. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't. I've never played Halo, so I don't know. Which is okay. I don't despise the fact you only get two guns. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't despise that. I think it's fine. I don't think it's fine that you keep your upgrades, which doesn't make sense in the world anyway. Yeah, but, I'll give you that. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I'm glad they do because it would be uh, just laborious if you didn't. Yeah, it's fine. all right. I'm gonna step down on that. I'm gonna step down on my soapbox <laughs> on the two guns. It's it's fine. Okay. I just like having things to play with. Just give me the tools, and I'll hand wave the reality of it. If I didn't hand wave things, I'd have to accept Earthbound as acceptable, and it's not. So I <laughs> I say that just every time you're on this damn show, you gotta crap on one or, <laughs> one or the other. I just I just have to trigger Michael. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll step away from my infinite annoyance. It's fine, fine. Okay. It never bug, it never bug me in game. And then this game has two different endings. I only saw the one ending because both times I played this game, I've always played this game good because you know why? Why wouldn't you? And so I, I rescued all. So we're at the ending right now, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You fight Fontaine, and he yeah. ends up knocking your ass down, and the little sisters come out and save you. Bye. Swarming him and jamming him with the little syringes. Oh yeah, no, thank you. I'm glad I forgot all about that. It's a little pretty disturbing. Good. Pretty awesome. Yeah. They're they're a little disturbing in general, though. Yeah, they're yeah. scary kids. Scary kids are just an, an ultimate bad. So I mean, look at how they're you know the world they're living in though. So and they're not really kids anymore because they're whatever the hell's been done to them. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I I remember that. Yeah, when they they just stabbed the hell out of <laughs> that was a good scene. Pretty good. Well, and then they're shouting. Even... They're hmm? shouting, "Kill him! Kill him!" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which is something we didn't really talk about when you're fighting big daddies. They are yelling encouragement to the big daddies to rip you to pieces and all this crap. And they can't be up. and they can't be harmed, which is weird that you can't you can't harm the little sister. They just kind of stand there and cower, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But, but it's a game. I don't. That's fine. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I don't I think I've seen the other ending on YouTube. I've never seen it live in person. <laughs> I think what happens in the real world, in the like, sorry, the the good ending, you basically grow old with the little sisters, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of nurse you back to health, and you become their new big daddy because you are forever, I guess, a big daddy at this point. And You're not though. <laughs> is that well, right? I, mean, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. Because Fontaine says he's like, "Hey, you think this thing is, irre- is reversible? You're stuck like this." And then during this ending, when you're on your deathbed and the little sisters come out and take your hand, it's just a normal human hand. You're right. Good call. Yeah, you're totally right. 
So yeah, you don't stay at Big Daddy. Where the I assume they just converted you back or something. You're All probably right. still sounding like you had a garbage disposal down your throat, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's fine. So they they convert you to a human, I guess, somehow, some way. Somehow, maybe Tenenbaum helps. Tenenbaum probably dies in all this, so I'm assuming, because you don't see her again. But it's a very quick ending, and then yeah. uh, it's I mean, the she bad gives ending. a little, she gives the narration over the endings. I that's like right. the bad ending; it's kind of awesome. It is kind of awesome. I, I watched it on YouTube, and it's it has something it's, to do with like you come to the surface, and yeah, Tenenbaum's like they they the little sisters offer you the city, but that wasn't enough for you, and it cuts to these fishermen fishing up these bathospheres. And then splicers kind of fly out and start slaughtering everyone. Like, geez, man. Is that the yep. bad ending? Yeah. Yeah. And the bad ending also, I think you end up, you find a submarine, you end up with a nuke or something, and the world oh, is yeah. now in your yep. hands. Yeah. 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 Yep. But yeah, because you're all spliced up now. No one's going to be able to stop you. Exactly. And the world is yours. And that's Which one was supposed to be the canon ending without going into spoilers. I think good. Kind of yes or no type question. If there is. Uh, I mean, I, I guess neither. Okay. Because yeah, when it's not right, when it ties back around, it's actually before all this. So okay. this is like the end of well, yeah, <laughs> we'll have to get okay. the, the infinite. I don't want to. Yeah, I just I just looked at the uh, at the wiki and evidently the good ending is considered canon. Oh, okay. OK, there you go. Because I haven't played Bioshock 2 and I played infinite, but I never played the DLC, which I want to do an episode on its own. Kind of something with that DLC oh, yeah. someday. Our LC2 is is huge for for story. Okay, so we'll have to do yeah, that at some point it is. then. It is. It fixes a lot of stuff. Okay, so that any last things you want to say before we go to questions, comments, or memories? No, I say go for it. Okay, I actually got a lot of comments. <laughs> I posted only in three you groups. You did. You did get a lot of comments, at least from the over, Overblood, at least. Mm-hmm. And that's not normal for Overblood lately. Like, Overblood usually just like, yeah, they don't care all the time about me, I think. <laughs> so, but yeah, I actually got some, so I'm going to definitely read some. I can't, my... Facebook is not being friendly and letting me see all the comments. That it just, it just, yeah. So I'm going to start with from the Overblood Super Replay group from Tyler McClear. I think Bioshock was one of the last games I bought on a whim and was not disappointed with. Bought it solely in the artwork. I wish I could play through it for the first time again. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I kind of did. Not by choice, but I did. Yeah, no, that, I, that's one of the I always ask that question. What's a game you'd like to play through for the first time? And Bioshock is definitely high on that list. Mine's mine's Portal, but yeah, no, yeah. it's similar. Yeah, yeah, it's the same kind of uh, yeah prestige for sure. Remember, when life gives you lemons, you don't make lemonade; you give those lemons right back, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Yeah. God, I love that game. That was so good. Oh, I yeah. Since you brought that up, you reminded me of that. God, that was cool. Too. So good. Uh, right from Alex Furman. All I can say is a legendary, a classic with nothing but fond memories. And second, that is one of those games I wish I could experience for the first time again. Second person that said that so far, and from Andrew Gerds. Sorry if I butchered your name. The game that opened me up to the possibilities of the medium. There is there is before Bioshock and after. I don't get that exactly, but oh yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, I think it, it's such a landmark of um, again interactive storytelling. It's it's definitely a sea change. We'd had we we've had interactive storytelling, environmental storytelling with your Deus Ex and System Shock Two, of course. So we've had that, but after Bioshock, a lot of things did change. It definitely enlightened people to what an FPS can do. And also um, showcased that idea of your lack of control as a video game player. You know, so I, I agree with that. That's there's def- there was definitely a sea change when Bioshock hit because it was such a critical darling. Like, again, ev- this won all the awards, I think, in it that. Did. Yeah. Sea change. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> and this one from Zach, Zach, butcher that. 
Ah, Overblood's best FPS poll winner. I bought Bioshock at a blockbuster when it was closing down around 2009 or 2010. At the time, I didn't know what it was about or how beloved it was when it came out. Since then, I have beat it around seven times. I might be in the minority, but I only use powers to open doors or melt ice and stuff because I love shooting guns in it a lot. Sounds like you. (laughs) It did sound like me. Basically. This one from friend of the show, Emmanuel. Around the time of its release, I tried out the demo and didn't get far. In fact, it was soon at the Batmosphere lowers the rapture and enemy jump scares you as the scaredy cat I am. I immediately turned the PS3 off and didn't go back to the game until many years later when I bought Bioshock Infinite and had the original Bioshock for free. Good man. Good man. Sounds about right. It's kind of what I did. <laughs> and from Lucas Adams, this game blew my mind. Knew nothing about it, just thought the cover looked cool. Discovering that you could shoot killer hornets out of your hands is an unforgettable moment. Yes. I don't remember that moment mm-hmm. at all. I wished I used that ability more. I really do. That's but it fun. is just oh, it's super fun. It'll put all splicers near you, like in their tracks. So they stop to swat at them, so it sets them all up as nice targets. Yeah, and Infinite has the crows, which is basically the exact same thing. And it's actually fun. It's good. Yeah. I'll say something nice about that game. It's a, it's a fun uh, mechanic. And it's called Murder of Crows, which is a great name. <laughs> Pretty great. From Henry Chan, also a friend of the show. I yep. played it when I was like 10 and had a fucking heart attack with a jump scare where the splicer sends a coffin flying at you. I was terrified for the whole game traumatize me as an adult doesn't scare me anymore to fight this the fact that i'm still a massive coward <laughs> that is a great moment where you're just walking around and all of a sudden a, a coffin comes flying that is a good moment <laughs> and from stefan barfoot or steven barfoot how you pronounce his name i had just come back home from a year away in canada and had no idea it existed my buddy jeff was ranting the rainbow when i got back and basically forced me to borrow it i replay it every year it's one of my favorite games of all time the whole idea of rewriting your genetic code to fit in with high society seemed like such a novel idea for my 16 year old brain <laughs> it's a good Any idea for, still, a 40, for that one <laughs> it's a good idea for a 40 year old game i mean oh the oh the idea of him actually yeah. <laughs> doing so yeah see atlas yeah all that stuff when you're 16 seems super neat neato but once you hit your mid-20s you should have grown out of that so glad to see you have mr barfoot because yeah no that's not a that's not a great thing all right from kenneth Osterlo. i remember thinking this game is the future of gaming and a true next-gen game and experience for the 360 era I never found it scary, but there are certainly jump jump scary parts to it. I thought the audio journals was genius and that Rapture was the first sci-fi video game setting that felt realistic and lived in. Can you imagine this game without audio journals? Like, seriously, can you imagine what this game would be like yes. without that innovation? Not good. I mean, that's good. where you get most of the story from is yeah. from that. Right. Imagine if you had like these terrible cart- cartoon characters expositing all this stuff instead of just experiencing it while doing other things. Yeah, no, it'd be horrendous. So that's a great point on the audio journals. And as far the, as horror goes, I think it leans on the more the action side, like Dead Space, where oh, yeah. you always feel kind of overpowered. Not so it, it it has to rely on those jump scares to really get anything out of you. Yeah, because yeah. it's not a horror game like many we like the few we played on the show since Mike joined. Yeah, because it was a horror game. Me and Mike would not be thinking highly of it. <laughs> <laughs> and from Danny Palacio, I lost my shit when the doctor jump scares you. That's the one Bill is talking about. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Not great. Uh, from Steven Chevalier, I never played Bioshock, any of them. You should. I you used should. to say no, but you really should, sir, if you listen no, to No, you this. should. It's, uh, yeah, play them. Play them. Play them. Play them. Hopefully you're not listening to this show with all the spoilers and then playing it. <laughs> and from Nabil Larby, welcome to the Circus of Values. So I, love, I love the little laugh it does, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the little jingle it plays. <laughs> and last one from this group. I have two other groups, but from Randolph Sparks. Blew me away when, it, when I first played it. GI did a cover story for it that got me super hyped, but man, it shattered my expectations. 
I still really remember the first time I experienced that, that twist in the dark basement at like 3 a.m. Never going to forget that. No. Yeah, you can't. You can. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely forgot point. everything. Fair point. Fair point. All right. And then I'm going to read some from the Giant Bomb group. Actually, I didn't get I didn't get as many. I only got three, but I'll read those uh, from KJ because I can't pronounce that name at all. The big would you kindly reveal had such a huge impact on me. It made me realize that there are certain stories that only lend itself to video games and no other medium. It just felt natural to have a disembodied voice telling you what to do because that's how games always operate. But to have it justified and make sense within the context of the game was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, well, it's just one of the great themes of this game. And it does that beautifully. And from Taylor Bowens, I brought my 360 on a family vacation and rented it from a local rental store so I could play it as soon as possible. I was freaked out by it and didn't beat it until I bought it used a year or two later. <laughs> Everyone was terrified this game. I'm, I don't feel alone anymore. I, I feel like my story is one of many <laughs> people who no, just it, it definitely is. Yeah. And from J.J. Franco. I absolutely love this game on so many levels. The criticism of, of Randy and politics taken to their extreme, but perhaps a notable conclusion, the questions of autonomy and morality, the literal exploitation of children for capitalists and selfish gain, and the re- metaphorical question the little sister represent. Can there be innocence in a world with these morals? And if so, how do you protect it by any means necessary? That's all in quotations, that last part. And I can go on and on. Now as a dad, I watch my little girl explore a world that is beautiful and also dangerous. I felt like a, I feel like a big daddy sometimes wanting her to play and grow, but leery of things that come close. Here's a commission, and he has a commission that he had done of, of uh, his daughter, I guess, and a big daddy. That's awesome. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see the commission, but man, no, well said. I mean, he, he nailed every single point, especially the, uh, not theologically, but from, a, yeah, just a, an awesome, I can't, you just sent over that image. I can't talk and click at the same time. That is amazing. What an awesome image. Uh, we just got that the picture of the commission that he had done with the big daddy and his and his little daughter. Um, yeah, you nailed it, man. I, you nailed every point. I can't I cannot expand upon that, even though I want to. So I'll say good job. High five. Nice. To <laughs> and from the last group, the official laser time community uh, from Sonia B. I bought a 360 just for this game. It was the game that got me out of my Nintendo loyalty. It's absolutely everything I love. 40s era aesthetic, unique story, and your hand that shoots bees. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves the bees. That's pretty great. <laughs> oh, from awesome. Matt Anderson, I built my first gaming PC specifically for this game and spent almost doubled just so I could get this to run perfectly. Yeah. Oh, if it was recently, yeah, totally. I can I can see that. This actually, I didn't mention that. Um, I started playing this game again because I, I rebuilt my PC in December, right around Christmas. And I, I bought last-gen parts and stuff because current-gen parts for your PC are impossible to obtain unless you have you know a couple grand on you. So anyway, I rebuilt the computer. And just to test it out, I started playing the Bioshock Remaster. And like, I was going to play this for like an hour just to see how it runs. <laughs> you, know, you know, gawk at my FPS, you know, just get all dorky with it. Boom! <laughs> a few weeks later, or a few couple weeks later, done. I just kept playing it because, damn, it's so good. So I had the exact same experience. Very good. And from Sean Casadita, I don't like shooters, but I really enjoyed it. I didn't play till a few years ago on Steam. Just loved the story. It had a really good, creepy vibe, especially when you run into the big daddies for the first time. The little girls just cackling when they are trying to kill you. I picked a good route since I never killed any of the girls. It's also one of the few games that compelled me to finish the whole game. I bought part two immediately after finishing one. Yep. yep. I hope you enjoy part two because it's uh, I think it's plays better. It's not uh-huh. as capital I important, but it's, I think, more fun in your hands. All right. From Cody Smith. I own this game many times over and have read the prequel book, and it really shed a lot of light onto aspects of the game. I hadn't thought of it before. It was such a wonderful mix of storytelling and action. It didn't. It didn't meet the creator's lofty goals in many ways, but it was a very great game. 
Not as bad as Fable in that regard. Probably. <laughs> and actually, there this this uh, this game we didn't even touch about the development because that's kind of outside what we do really. But it's this development of this game was marred marked with lots of strife and struggle and remakes and rewrites and it's almost a wonder this game off the gr- got off the ground. Kind of like Infinite had the same a similar you know. It, there's a great video out there for Infinite from uh, I think it's Kroby Cat who kind of compares the demos of Bioshock Infinite to what we actually got. And if we had gotten what was in the demos, I'd have a much higher opinion of that game because it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I'm only going to read, I think, two more. Go for uh, it. This one, I don't really, I want to read it, but I don't want to go into it. <laughs> From Josh Shoup. Had absolutely no interest in Bioshock when it first came out, but after getting heckled by my older brother enough times, I bought that in Bioshock 2. To this day, I don't think I guessed louder than that in quotations. Big reveal upon finishing Bioshock Infinite and the Barely at Sea DLC. I'm still convinced that this game has one of the best stories i played to date. Which means nothing to me, yep. but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I, for now that I replayed Bioshock 1, I'm so excited to eventually play Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite again and play that DLC. Yeah. They're, they're, they're always on sale, so definitely pick it up. I think oh, I, I picked up the... I oh, okay, yeah. make myself right. play them, which, again, there's a reason there's a, this, this podcast exists. Yeah, I think I picked up the uh, the whole series for like 10 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. I have something ridiculously Me too. Cheap. I have it on Steam and Xbox One, which I can't play. Bird. I don't have Xbox One anymore. Well, I do, but it's a big box that doesn't turn on. <laughs> From last question we're reading, Mark Kalzer. There are a few moments in pop culture as singular as that particular moment in Bioshock. It was different from your usual big movie twist. You could probably never accomplish a twist like that again. The fact that you you were the player were willing to participate in the twist, obeying without question. When I first hit the twist, I was just a bit taken back by losing physical control of my player. I almost wanted to give me the choice to obey directives, but of course, the point is you had no choice all along. The moment you choose to obey at the very beginning, you were a slave. You never had control. No piece of pop culture art I think will ever again capture that feeling of being programmed. It's mm. pretty good. That's a great point. I, I forgot. That's actually an excellent point because when you're at that point with with Andrew Ryan, you don't get you don't get like the uh, hit X to smack or something. <laughs> you know, yeah, right? You it, you just do it with, and you have no control over it. That is an excellent point. Yeah. All right, and then I think that yeah, that's all the questions. That brings us to shelf stacker box. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, why don't you go first since this is your pick? Oh, it's gonna go on the shelf. Any. Any of these exploratory games that basically let you build your character however you want and do things in your own way. Great A in my book. Like, I love the first, at least the first two Deus Ex games. I haven't made myself play the other two yet. And uh, the rest of this series and Prey, they're all fantastic. So I'll play it again. I immediately played it again as soon as I beat it. I went through and (laughs) played New Game Plus. And I saved all the little sisters. I only used few of the plasmas i did cyclone trap sonic boom and freeze blast just to kind of mix it up because they're not ones i really use so it's fun and there's just plenty of other ways i'm sure i could play it that i've never done before maybe you just played it twice because you really didn't want to play the game for the, the next week uh yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> bill what about you well this is an easy shelf i mean i think we've kind of mined everything that's amazing about this game i just appreciate themes and the story and what it achieves as far as melding the gameplay and the story again it plays fine and other titles in the series play slightly better well one does better and it's a (laughs) and uh, yeah it's just a triumph i mean it's capital i important for a reason and i think it's a required game to play if you're uh, a fan of the medium so yeah shelf easy 
Okay, and I'll go last. When I first when we first put this game on the show and I was gonna play it, I'm like, man, it's gonna be garbage. I'm not going to enjoy this. I actually did not want to like. Normally, I always play games about two weeks ahead of time. I start playing them so I can beat them a week ahead of time. And I did not want to play this. I'm like, I had opportunity. I'm like, no, I don't want to start Bioshock. That game sucks. I don't like it. I don't want to play it. So I purposely put it off. And then one morning, I'm like, okay, it's Thursday. I want to beat this by Sunday. Oh, I should start the game. So no, Friday morning. So Friday morning, I start playing, and I'm like, I have an hour before I go to work, and I start playing. I'm like. I don't want to stop playing. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's happening here? And I couldn't, and I just kept playing. Like, I, well, I, went, I went to work, but I came home. I kept playing. Saturday in the morning, I kept playing. And I beat this game in three days. I think it was like three days. And it made me realize how much fun I was having with this game and how my memory of it was so clouded and so wrong. And it almost felt like going to a game for the first time because I had no memory of really playing it before. <laughs> Other than Andrew Ryan got killed with a golf club and you used plasma. That was really my only really memory and a big orange guy in the end. So it's going on the shelf. I'm really glad Mike picked this, and I'm really glad I got to replay it and actually have a good memory of it now. I still think Infinite was better from what my memory was, but <laughs> we'll see. Infinite's got better characters at the very least. I really like Elizabeth. Yep. And I, oh, I don't, I'm going to do a guttural sound. I, <laughs> uh, I think they're different. I think they're different. Yeah, no, not to get, it, not to get to it. I think they're different. I don't know if they're better, but they're different. Elizabeth's great because she stays out of your way, and she's helpful in a very – she's helpful at least. She's at least – yeah, she's at least helpful, and she stays out of your way, which is the best you can ask for an escort. So, yeah. Since it's next week is actually my pick, I should introduce what we're talking about next week. So we're going to wrap up the second series on this podcast. We are finally digging into the third birthday. The third Parasite Eve game, sort of. Not really, but sort of, sure. Kind of. And probably the last Parasite Eve game we'll ever see. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Square knows it exists anymore. So that's what we're covering next week. So you stay tuned for that. Because, yeah, this should be interesting. A lot of a lot of upsetness, I'm sure. So, <laughs> and since you're our... Well, Bill, why don't you, introduce, why don't you give a shout-out to your podcast that is live. Yes, it is exists. Yay. I was listening back to like an older MCU episode. I was just, you know, doing dishes and I had nothing else to listen to. Not to say it's a bad thing, just it's there. And I remember saying how, hey, one day there may be a show to listen to. And if, if you go there, great. If you don't go there, then if you go there and there's nothing, then it died. It didn't die. It's a thing. So the show is called The Gamer Looks at 40. It's a retrospective of the history of games as told through the stories and recollections of everyday people who lived it. We're going through everything from early 8-bit to modern day, essentially. And these are just stories from everyday people and, and how these games affected them in um, amazing, positive ways. I have stories of people who have, have been married thanks to video games. I have stories of kids who were ostracized on the playground due to their choice of system. I, it's stuff like that. So if you, wanna, if you have a story like that and wanted to tell it on a podcast, go to A Gamer Looks at 40. Um, the number 40 on Twitter and uh, send me a DM. Say, hey, I got a story for you. And I'll be like, well, I got a time slot for you. So come on <laughs> over and uh, tell those stories and check out those stories at a gamer looks at 40. Okay. And if you enjoyed this episode, we have tons of other episodes. We have covered a hundred and over 125 games at this point. So definitely go check all those out. We do, and then we do movies, we do comics. We're currently going through the same crew, the MCU, and we're almost done, almost done. So you can go check those out, I think. I forget what the next one is coming out, but there's one coming out soon. So definitely go look at those and listen to those, please. 
And want to give a shout out to her awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Bowie, aka Mike Tony from ZP Bite the Bullet. Songs are cool, kids. Why? You will see a link in the show notes to his YouTube channel. You also see a link in the show notes to a Gamer Looks at 40 um, podcast. So definitely go check those out. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube. And if you want to throw us a couple dollars, you can go fi- find us on Patreon, where we are going to have, which I was going to start the show with, but forgot to. We're going to have a poll that is currently going on to choose what we're going to play for our first pilot test episode. Yeah. Or not play, but watch. So that will be in the Patreon. So if you only for a dollar, you can sign up and do that. And uh, one of the stretch goals, I think, for your Patreon is going to be if you contribute $50, I'll read Atlas Shrugged again. And, oh, um, and I uh, listen, how much I appreciate this show, I'll read it again um, and give a very small book report. <laughs> OK, so if you want to hear me do that on a show, 50 bucks, I think, might uh, might do that. For sure. <laughs> but then I'd have to read it, too, and I, I don't think I want Oh, no, no, no. I won't put you guys through that because, again, friends don't let friends read Atlas Shrugged. And I've already read it once in my life, and I know it's just bad, bad, bad. So that's what I'll do for this show, all right? 50 bop. 50 ducks. Make it happen. Did you say 50 ducks? <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I need are 50 ducks. 50 bucks would be uh, appropriate. <laughs> So go follow us Patreon. You'll see a you'll see a show note there. You'll see the link in the show notes. So all right, and I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.